Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, everyone. This is Liz. Thank you so much for bearing with us during an extra long, unexpected break of Bond. You know, sometimes parenting life actually gets in the way of talking about parenting life. And that's the thing that happens. So thanks for bearing with me. But I'm so happy to be back. I'm really looking forward to a Spawn reboot in the new year with some great new topics, amazing guests I already have lined up. That said, 2023 has been a bit of a rough year for a lot of us, to say the least. So I thought it would be good this week to reshare a really important episode about taking some of the stress out of the holiday season and how to bring back some more fun, not just for your kids, but for you too. Because Look, I think it's important for all of us to find the happiness, find the light, find the meaningful and fun moments where we can. So if this is a new episode for you, enjoy. She's one of my favorite guests. And if you've heard it before, maybe it'll hit a little differently this year and give you a bit of a nudge where you might need it. Welcome to Spawn, a common sense, generally fun, and hopefully helpful discussion on parenting and parenting culture and the many issues impacting families today. Hey, I'm Liz Gumbiner. I'm the co-founder of CoolMomPicks.com, and today I am joined by Margaret Abels, who you might know as half of the hilarious duo behind the What Fresh Hell podcast. We are going to be talking about how to make the holidays more fun as parents, or is it even possible? And as always, we'll close out our show with our cool picks of the week. I will be jumping right in with Margaret right after this. This episode of Spawned is brought to you by the absolutely wonderful board game Disney Villainous Intro to Evil. If you're looking for a great gift for a tween or teen or a screen-free board game that you can all enjoy together, I have been a big fan of Disney Villainous since I first discovered them at Toy Fair when it launched a few years ago. It's the kind of game that's as fun for adults as it is for the kids, and bonus, it does not take all night to play or to learn. There are even quick video instructions now, so you can get playing right away. Now, they're out with a limited Disney 100 anniversary edition of Disney Villainous. That's such a cool gift, especially for you Disney fans. Here, you get to play the villain, so Maleficent, Ursula, Captain Hook, Prince John. Remember that guy? That's going way back. It's a gorgeous game. It brings together strategy, creativity, harmless mischief. You can even add it to the other Disney Villainous expansion packs and play as your other favorite villains. Look for Disney Villainous, Intro to Evil at Target or wherever you find your favorite board games and toys, or learn more about it at coolmompicks.com. So if you don't know Margaret Abels, let me tell you a little bit more about her. She's a comedian, writer, improv teacher, mom of three, and she's the founder of Adalist Media and the co-host with Amy Wilson of the popular parenting podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood, which you may even have in your queue right now, along with Spawned. I'm so glad to have you, Margaret. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. And it's funny that we're talking about moms and stress and holidays and fun because it took us like how many times before we were able to do this without one of us canceling or messing up? Mostly. 
Yes, it was one of those, (laughs) you know, let's do it. Oh, wait, what time did you say? You know, it was classic mama behavior. Very meta. Like I'm thinking about, okay, we're doing this episode about how busy moms are around the holidays and I can't find time to record it. Yes, exactly. (laughs) It was a microcosm or a macrocosm. I don't know. There you go. Also, plus now you say meta and it means something different. So I'm going to have to find a new word for self-referential. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, one of your recent episodes, which I loved and your podcast is so good. I'm sure everybody here listens to it because who listens to a mom cast without listening to What Fresh Hell? But one of your recent episodes was called, Is This Supposed to Be More Fun? And we've talked before here about being the fun mom. And like you always hear about the fun dad or fun uncle, but you don't hear fun mom so much. Do you think this is still like a shocking thing? It's interesting <laughs> because we had KJ Delantonia on the podcast who I love was KJ. talking about her book, How to Be a Happier Parent. She said, we had these kids for a reason. And then it feels sometimes like you have kids and then your whole mind is like, how do I solve this problem and that problem and the Jeff problem and the Mary problem? And it is interesting how far down we also had someone on talking about kids sports and we talked for maybe half an hour. And I said at some point, we have not used the word fun once in reference to kids sports. We're talking about like solving the scheduling and is it too competitive? And are they getting Tommy John surgery when they're nine? And I do think that in the busy, we forget the fun sometimes. And there's a great book that most people have probably read. It came out years ago by Jennifer Senior called All Joy and No Fun. And this is kind of the theme of the book. Like if we're only going for the big, like, okay, we're finally gathered around the table and laughing together, but the rest of the day is just dull misery, this like slow march in between these like big ticket moments where, okay, it seems to maybe be paying off. And maybe even at that moment, you're only at the Saturday Night Live, I got a robe skit, you know, like you're not necessarily (laughs) even at those moments having fun that I think one of the things that we try to focus on a lot on the podcast is finding the joy and solving the problems only to find the joy, not solving the problems because this whole job is just a relentless doom march of problem solving. Well said. And actually, that's a great sub because I was thinking about how when you talk about I need to be the fun mom or I need to make the holidays fun, like this time of year, especially there's so much pressure on us. Like I have to put the elf in 32 like ridiculous places and Instagram it. So I seem like the fun mom. Right. And sometimes I think the whole how can I make the holidays fun? How can I make it memorable? How can I make it special for my kids becomes like another chore. It's like you're scheduling be fun into your day. And we're forgetting that we're part of the fun or we should be receiving some of the fun, that it becomes our job in motherhood and then especially at the holidays to spin 10,000 plates so that everybody has fun and never realizes the work or the prop. You know, there's an old saying in theater that a good director or lighting designer, you don't see their work, that like you enjoy the experience, but you don't say like, oh, look at this cool lighting or directing choice. Yeah, if you leave the theater saying the lighting was beautiful, it has some problems. That's right. (laughs) But I would argue very strongly that we should push back on the role of director and lighting designer and say like, I'm actually in this play and I want to be part of it. I don't want my work to be totally invisible and just ensure that everyone else has the perfect holiday while I sit on the couch being like, and I got a robe and I'm slightly miserable all the time. So how old are your kids now? You have three kids. I have three kids. They are 14, 12, and 10. Two boys and a girl. Girl's the youngest. So you're right behind me because mine are 17 and 15 and my stepkids are 18 
19, almost 19 and 13. Oh my gosh, yeah. So how has that fun aspect changed? Because, you know, people always say like, oh God, teens. And I always say like, don't fear the teen years. I actually love the teen years. Like now we have, there will be blood on the queue and fight club. And like, it's a whole different world. To me, that's fun because now I'm doing the things I enjoy and not just doing them for my kids. Agree, agree. I mean, I am very much team. It gets better. I mean, yes, you are facing some problems that are bigger than like boo-boo band-aid. I get it. Like the problems are more profound and intractable. But we just had a guest on and when we were, oh, happy, hello, have a great break, whatever. And she's like, well, I mean, I'm taking my five and three-year-old. And I said, listen to me, I'm going away to Florida where my dad lives and I will be sitting around reading novels all day long. That's what I will be doing. Like glimpse the future. It is good. And the other nice surprise that I have found is that we celebrate Christmas at our house. The holidays I always thought would just become kind of like grim exchange of gift cards and, you know, nobody's really into the magic of the season anymore. My kids are still Christmas crazy. They still love it just as much, even though some of the like behind the scenes wonderland has come out of it a little bit. And that's been a very happy surprise. It's really nice to hear that. You know, my 17-year-old and, you know, you never know how much you're going to get out of a 17-year-old about things like emotions and feelings. But, you know, we celebrate Christmas and Hanukkah and kind of our own multi-denominational solstice collaboration of joy or whatever it is. And she was saying, you know, mom, like when December 1st hits, like I know things are going to be really stressful with college applications and stuff going on senior year and all the stuff, but it'll be the holidays in New York and it's the best time. And I know if I'm grumpy, just know I'll probably be fine a few hours later because it's the holidays. Yeah. It was really cool to hear that from her. I feel like we're getting a lot of the magic and not a lot of the plate spinning. I feel we're in a kind of a sweet spot right now. Like my kids are still way into it. They're not cynical about it at all, but I don't have to do the elf on the shelf. Like It is (laughs) heaven where I'm at right now. I will say not elf on the shelf fan. Yeah, we were a little late on the elf. My youngest is 10. I feel like the elf really came into its true power maybe five years ago, six years ago. And I already had some deniability on the elf. I I mean, my kids were a good age to skip the elf, but we did. And I'm glad for it. And the other day, I think my 14 year old was like, what's with the elf? Why does everyone have one but us? And I'm like, well, because they do. And that's it. There is going to be no elf. That's a good answer. We all have different traditions. And by the way, now I've seen they have like a Hanukkah version that they're trying to sell called like Mensch on a Bench. The and mensch. I'm like, don't push this on no, us. No, no, no. Like no, we, no, The Jews did not ask for more suffering. We don't need it. We don't <laughs> like, want please. it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so what are your traditions that make things fun? I mean, one of the big things that we talked about on the podcast, and Amy, my co-host, says this all the time, like, take the gifts that the pandemic had to offer and lean into holiday attrition so that things Mm. that fall off the list stay off the list. Doing less to me is the key to having more fun. And before the pandemic, we were a little bit more like, okay, we do holiday cards and we have this sheep stroll we go to at the farm and then we've got to get into that. I live in the suburbs of New York City. We got to get in an ice skate at Rockefeller rink. We've got to go see the windows. And the list was so long. And then there were two years where we didn't do those things. Mm. And I'm letting them go. Goodbye, people. We're not doing it. 
it. It's okay. The Christmas still comes even if we don't go to the Macy's window. I'm like the Grinch. <laughs> We've actually incorporated the stuff we missed into our traditions. So we're now like, oh, it's time for the annual. We'll go ice skating this year and we don't do it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like every year we say we will. This is, I have a friend who I've been talking about. We love dumplings and we're just like, we should go get dumplings. And I just wrote on her Christmas card, it's time for us to restart the conversation about having dumplings and then never go have them. Like that is our entire relationship is not getting dumplings at this point. And that's it. Or, hey, let's think of all the fun things we've done and figure out which one we want to do this year rather than like getting into that grim checklist of like must go to the Macy's windows. Now strap on the ice skates. This year for us, for a host of different and boring reasons, has been particularly busy and fraught. And I was just saying to my husband, this weekend, we're punching the merry button. I have not engaged with Christmas at all. I mean, we decorate the house the day after Thanksgiving always because I have people in my house and they help. So I have a lot of hands. So I'm like, cousins decorate the tree. And that's how we do that. But other than that, we have done nothing. I was driving home. I teach once a week and I was driving home through the Christmas lights talking to my sister on the phone. I was like, there seem to be lit up trees and snowflakes everywhere, but I don't know why. What is this madness? It has not <laughs> permeated my turtle shell at all. And this is something that is like a new tradition of mine. I pick a day and I'm like, that's where we're starting the holidays. And so then we'll start baking and doing everything. But then I don't have the guilt from December 1st of like, we're not merry enough, which brings me down. I don't want to be on the merry scale. I, I let the kids lead. Even since they were younger, like when they say, when can we get a tree? Like, that's my cue to like, okay, let's start thinking about it. And yeah, that's been helpful. Yeah. And this year was really special because my oldest stepdaughter is a freshman in college. And she, so she came home really early this year and is staying with us, which is amazing. So we have three of the kids right now. And they knew I was having a really rough time at work. We're working a lot and it's busy and I am not feeling the holly jolly. And so they went out with my partner and they got a Christmas tree and they put it up while I was like mm. in my room, locked in working and they put up the lights. We have to wait to do the ornaments all together, but they did the lights. The lights are the worst part. Yeah. Thank goodness that he takes that on. I'm like, I'll do the dishes, you do the Christmas lights. Exactly. <laughs> but my daughter has this tradition every year. I actually just wrote about it. Oh, here, shameless plug. I started a sub stack like everyone else in the world who's getting off Twitter at Gumbiner. Subzac.com. And I just wrote about one of our holiday traditions, which is my daughter creates this tableau on our windowsill every year called the Jurassic Pole. And <laughs> the center of it is the Menorosaurus, who is surrounded by like a Rudolph plush and like Santa things and like odd Funko Pops. And there's a Ruth Bader Ginsburg icon thing in there. <laughs> and every year she puts together a theme and this funny list of like the rules for Jurassic Park. It's very funny. There's a gerrymandering theme this year. Love that. <laughs> and I'll say a little bit about my daughter. But I came out to this and I swear I started crying. Like, I just, yeah. I saw the tree, I saw the lights, I saw the Jurassic Pole, and that they just did it on their own, and I was, like, overjoyed. I think in part because it didn't feel like a responsibility, and in part because I thought, wow, they were noticing that I needed the holiday cheer, and they gave it to me to some degree, and gave it to themselves, and that was, oh, I needed that. I needed that. And I think being kid-led is really smart because what can happen with holiday traditions is that they become exponential. You have your own holiday traditions. Like I still make my mom's butter cookies every year. It's not Christmas to me if I don't have those. So we'll make those once we hit the merry button. But then my husband's family has traditions and his other family has traditions. And so it can start to feel like, okay, we have to do these 20 things to make sure we represent everybody. And when you let your kids lead, they remember certain 
certain things about it and the way they want to decorate the tree and the ornaments that they remember. And, you know, Menorasaurus and the thing on the windowsill. If you're too busy making it perfect for everybody and making sure that everything is correctly represented, I think you can miss some of the magic. We have a little reindeer who poops jelly beans. And this is my kid's <laughs> favorite object in our house. Don't tell my kids because they'll make me get one like tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, every year when they find that, they light up. I don't even know where it came from, but I love the idea and I haven't thought of it that way of staying kid led and letting the traditions that mean something in your house continue and letting your kids lead the way on that. And then most importantly, letting the things that are not as important slip away because that's where the fun starts to come in when you're not doing quite as much. That is such good advice. You know, I refer back to this article I wrote years ago. The point of it was kids remember the donut and not the whole. And that I think as parents, there's so much guilt and so much pressure we put on ourselves to do everything and make everything perfect. And, you know, it's the old joke about your toddler, you know, you get all these gifts and they want to play with the box or the wrapping paper. As they get older, they don't remember what you didn't do. <laughs> they don't remember that you forgot to move the elf one night or they don't remember that one light at the top of the Christmas tree was blown out. Like, that's not what they think about. They like remember the good stuff. That helps me take the pressure off. And sometimes the mistakes, my mom, every once in a while on Friday, we would make pancakes for dinner. And we were like, oh, this is the best. Like, mom must really love us. It's pancakes for dinner. Like, she lets us have pancakes. And it's, it was the most exciting night of the month, pancakes for dinner. And then at some point when I had three little kids, it was dinner time. And I just could not face another, like, pulling the slimy hot dog out of the bag meal. And I was like, oh. I have pancake mix. I can make pancakes. And like the scales fell from my eyes. And I realized my mom made pancakes for dinner when she was at the end of her rope. That was like her mm. bad day. And she probably was like, oh, I'm failing at dinner. I'm just going to make them pancakes. And one of our listeners wrote in talking about they would have a night where it was plate of small things. And the mom would just throw like crackers and cheese and a little pepperoni or something and let them eat in front of the TV. And the same thing, like for her, that's one of her happiest childhood memories is when they had a night of small all things. And you know that mom was sitting there going, I'm such a failure. I'm letting my kids eat these plates full of junk in front of the TV. And that is something that I have really learned through doing the podcast and talking to other moms. It's like the kids never look at you and think what a loser and what a failure. And like, man, she didn't do a good enough job on Christmas. they feel that sense of like the pooping reindeer is here. Uh, check and check. <laughs> and I will say, and my kids do not like it when I say this, one of the traditions that we have in our family is let's try to remember what we got for Christmas last year and no one can ever remember. Take the pressure off the gifts too. Like I get it. That seems when you're heading into the holiday, like the absolutely most important thing that happens is the moment where if you're celebrating Christmas like myself, but I think with other holidays, like, oh, it's all about the perfect gift. It sounds kind of facile and my kids go crazy when I try to point this out to them. They never remember. They literally don't remember the gifts. Not just like, oh, they'll remember the hugs. They actually don't remember them. They can never come up with what they got last year. Whereas last year leading up to Christmas, it was definitely the only thing we were talking about. That is a fantastic point. Like I think about how when you ask them about Christmas, sometimes there are certain gifts. I think experience gifts for that reason are great. Like, oh, we all went to Hamilton that year. 
year because mm-hmm. that was fun and that was special and we made memories, but it's not like about the thing under the tree. But you know what they remember is like everybody's t-shirt design on one Jackbox game or something. Yes. They'll like remember some humor that came out of playing Cards Against Humanity or whatever we're playing. And listen, I have to push back on myself. They do remember, like they definitely remember like, oh my God, that year we all got lightsabers. Like the gifts play a role. Believe me, if I could get gift-free Christmas going in my house, it would be the happiest day of my life. The gifts are super important. They play a huge role, but the specificity of everything has to be perfect and the gifts are all they care about. Just put that in the right part of the hierarchy. I think it's somewhere in the middle, but it feels like it's the number one thing. You just reminded me of how a few years back, many years back, there was this toy that was like the hot toy on all the holiday lists. It was called Zoomer. It was some dog that oh, I missed know, that one. batteries Goodness. did things. It was ridiculous. It looked so cool from the ads and it moved and it barked and whatever it did and every kid had to have one. And I remember my daughter was probably like seven and she really wanted one. You know, if they were $35 normally, they were going for like 300 hundred and something dollars on eBay. It was ridiculous. And parents were getting them. And I remember giving her an IOU. So I would get one after the holidays when it went back down to $35. She played with it like twice. Oddly, not the best. I think I do remember. It was like a robot dog. Yeah, like a robot dog. Exactly. It was like a one-time thing. But like, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves for gifts. I think experiences are more meaningful. The pancake dinners are what they remember. And you're right. Maybe the happy accidents are what end up making the best tradition of all. And I think it can be really facile. They started a light show in our town that's drive through during the pandemic. It's definitely become one of our favorite things of the year. We pile in the car, we get a bunch of junky takeout food, we eat takeout food, and we drive through this like fairly corny light show. And even my 14-year-old was like, what night are we going? I love that. And so I do think that trying to make it perfect sometimes is the enemy of trying to have a really good holiday and letting it just be like, oh, the junky light show, eh, that's for some reason our big tradition for us now and we love it. Well, you know, I was going to end by asking you for like your best tip for making sure we have more fun over the holidays and you just gave it to us. (laughs) (laughs) Do less. That is my absolute number one tip. Do less. And I'm totally plagiarizing my co-host, Amy. Let the rules and the laws of holiday attrition work in your favor. Every year you don't do something, don't be like, oh, it was a failure. We didn't do it. Now we have to bring it back. Let it go. It's fine. <laughs> let it fade and let the holiday find you as opposed to feeling like your job is like head elf in charge to make sure everything is perfect. Do less and the fun will follow. And make sure that you're on the fun list. Like Instagram's overrated. If you don't show everybody like your beautiful, perfect oh, tree I mean, and holiday tableau, like people will live. <laughs> They'll be okay. My mom used to say the bow on the car, like the beautiful house <laughs> that was perfectly decorated and then there was like a Lexus in the driveway with yep. a bow. I mean, my mom lived way before the time of Instagram and she still felt the pressure. But yeah, it's definitely ratcheting up. When you see the elf with the sugary footprints, I'm like, oh, yo, yo, yo. No thanks. <laughs> That's perfect. Well, listen, Margaret, I hope everybody knows where to find you. You're at what? Freshhellpodcast.com on Facebook and Twitter at What Fresh Hell Cast. Do you have a favorite social medium of choice? I know some are changing rapidly. Uh, yeah, we're Facebook people, I would All say. Right. And we have a Facebook group that is facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash What Fresh Hell Cast that is a really great community of really down to earth moms who are talking to each other and solving problems together. And that's like the heart of where we live. We've also 
just this year expanded from being just the What for a Child podcast to being a network of podcasts. We are Atalus Media, where moms come to listen. And you can at atalusmedia.com find all of our great mom content and mom podcasts. Amazing. After Spawn. Oh, yes. After Spawn. <laughs> exactly. So, Margaret, it's time for Cool Picks of the Week. Cool Picks of the Week. And since you're our guest, you get to go first. My cool pick, it's a little bit ambiguous. I did say to Liz when we started, I was like, is it okay if it's random? She said, it's totally fine if it's random. So this is a pretty random one. But I used to be a big reader before having kids. I would read, I don't know, 50 novels a year, 100. I mean, I read all the time. And then when I had kids, I completely stopped reading. And I realized at some point the problem was like, I was always trying to read like Jonathan Franchin corrections. And I I couldn't (laughs) do that with my kids. I couldn't keep up. So I have two reading tips that have brought me back to reading this year, and I love it. I, first of all, read much goofier books. I just Google best page turners and I find mom book clubs that are all about suspense novels. And now I'm back to reading like 50 novels a year. But instead of being like Moby Dick, they're like the last house on the left. And they're just like page turners. And I find it so relaxing. And my other big reading tip is that I get the book on Kindle and Audible at the same time. I got to get with these companies and tell them they need to sync up because I have to find my spot. But then I can listen to it in the shower. I can listen to it while I'm driving. And then at bed at night, I can read it. And I have rediscovered reading through these two tips. Margaret, we are of one mind. I actually wrote an article earlier this year on Cool Mom Tech about how I discovered the joy of audiobooks. And for me, it was about nonfiction. Oh, yeah. If I was listening to fiction, I had trouble like with dialogue, characters, plot. But when I'm listening to nonfiction, it's like a podcast. It's storytelling. I thought I had to choose. I was like, I'm not ready to commit to audio, but I do both. I read a couple chapters and then I get in the car and I listen to a couple and look at me. I'm finishing books and I love it. Amazing. Something to aspire to. Well, this is actually a perfect companion to my cool pick of the week. I wanted to recommend your local neighborhood bookstore. Mine in Brooklyn is Books of Wonder. They used to be in one neighborhood. They just opened a second one in my neighborhood. If you're ever in Brooklyn Heights, come visit them on Montague Street. They're amazing. And, you know, look, we all shop on Amazon and Barnes & Noble and it's easy and we put it on our website. But there's something really special about community bookstores. Like, I just want to encourage people, shop local for last minute gifts, support those bookstores. They're a big part of our communities. We love them. And by the way, if you want to listen to audiobooks or look at ebooks, you can go to Libro.fm, which supports indie booksellers, but gives you all the same books. So just another tip to keep you reading and supporting the people who really love and adore books and carefully curate them and make their whole living around it for us. And that's my cool pick of the week. Love it. Well, hey, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Spawn. Huge thanks to our awesome engineer, John Bowen, to our fabulous guest, Margaret Abels, and of course, to all of you, our listeners. If you've got a moment and can leave us a five-star review, we'd greatly appreciate your time by doing that and also subscribing. It helps other listeners like you find us. You can also join us in the Spawned podcast community on Facebook, where we chat about show topics and pretty much anything else you'd like to talk about or find us on Instagram, Twitter. We are where you are pretty much. Thank you so much for listening to Spawned. This is Liz. Have a great day.